Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a joy to be with you guys. Um, it's a joy to be able to worship with you. And uh, I wanted to give a, a brief update. Some of you actually might not even know who I am. Um, my name is Jacob. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor at King's Cross Church up in Manchester, which is actually a church plant, like Mike was saying, from King of Grace. Oh, we uh, did our like public launch, like uh, Easter last year. I just want to give you a brief update on how things are going and what's going on with the church. Um, things are going really well. Uh, we've, uh, if you didn't notice, we have a new baby, so uh, population's growing. Um, <laughs> actually, another family in the core team just had a baby as well, and uh, so we're growing our numbers by, uh, you know, the standard means. Um, <laughs> but actually. Uh, well, we had these new babies. One of the cool things I have to report is that actually God is using King's Cross Church uh, to seek and save the lost in Manchester. Um, we've had uh, a friend of ours, uh, one of the guys in the church plant, his name is Jado. He's from Rwanda. He's a student at Southern New Hampshire University. And his roommate uh, was Lukeman. Lukeman came uh, from Africa as well. Lukeman is from um, a Muslim background. And Lukeman, being Jado's roommate, started coming to church with him started going to small group with him, and Lukeman this past fall just was showing up and being interested and started asking questions about Jesus and uh, started asking questions about what is Christianity about. And uh, through the, the small groups, so our small groups, we have two of them that meet, and we do meals together because we like to chow down. And then we study God's Word, and then we meet on Saturday nights, and we chow down on Saturday nights as well. So free meal if you ever want to come up and hang out. But it's we just hang out and just eat God's Word together and eat real food together. And so Lukeman was a part of our life together. And over the course of three or four months, God opened his eyes. And God made Lukeman, who was dead, made him uh, alive in Christ and brought him uh, to faith. And so it's been cool to see how God has used us to lead Lukeman to faith in Christ. And you guys are a part of that, right? You guys have been a part of the genesis of this church plan, have been a part of God seeking and saving the lost, and Luke is not the only one. I think there's others among us as well that feel comfortable and welcomed in a broken and desperate place to be able to hang out at the table with us and to get to know Jesus with us. And so it's been a joy to build together, and we're building around this idea of loving Jesus together. And so God is bringing people like Lukeman and others to love Jesus together with us. So thank you for being a part of that. And that's a small update on how we're doing. There's other things to say, but does that give you the sense that God's in on, on mission and you guys are a part of it? And I think we're doing okay. Like, we're still here. <laughs> you know, so we're, we're still above water. Um, what we are going to do is we're going to look at the book of Exodus together. I know this is dropping into the middle of the book of Exodus for you. We are in a preaching series through the book of Exodus, and we're looking at it through this lens of the gospel according to Moses. Um, the book of Exodus is, in some ways, it's the center point of the Old Testament. And we're looking at it because it is the center point of God's purpose to seek and save the lost. Like we were just talking about with Lukeman. The book of Exodus gives us kind of God's blueprints for the gospel in the Old Testament. So we're going to look at the book of Exodus this morning. We're going to pick up in chapter 3. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for God to help us because <laughs> we just need God's help to understand His Word. And then we're going to look at chapter 3. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for the book of Exodus. 
And God, as You have revealed Yourself to be a God with power and grace and mercy, I pray that You would show us Yourself and reveal Yourself to us afresh this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're looking at chapter 3. In chapter 3, um, in the book of Exodus, is a bit of like, uh, it's kind of like the final character setup in the book of Exodus. If you imagine like your favorite movie, maybe it's Lord of the Rings or the Avengers or uh, some movie that I don't get into, but is your deal and that's cool. Um, if you imagine, this is like you're getting introduced to all the characters in the book of Exodus. So in the chapter 1, get introduced to Israel and uh, they're suffering. They've been a long time in the, in the land of Egypt and they're wondering, God, we've been here for 400 years. What gives? Where are you at? Chapter 2, we get introduced to our hero who's not so much of a hero, Moses, a bit of a bumbling guy, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Doolittle sort of guy, just not really great, and uh, we're going to get introduced to him a little bit more in this chapter. And then chapter 3 is a bit of the moment, you can imagine Lord of the Rings, you know, you're getting introduced to all the characters, and then Gandalf shows up, right? Oh, this is the real deal. Right, <laughs> or you can imagine uh, you're watching uh, maybe a Batman movie, and it's like all the bad guys you're introduced to them, and there's a person in distress, and then suddenly, I'm Batman. This is the I'm Batman chapter of the Book of Exodus, and so we are looking at it, and we're going to be getting introduced to God's name, just like for example with James Bond, you have Bond, James Bond, you get introduced to his name. This is where we learn God's name comes in. Name tag tells us who he is. So chapter 3 is where we're going to be beginning to get to know God's name. He comes in and he tells us who he is, reveals his power. He shows us who he is and what he's about and what he's doing in this world. And his name does something. My name, if you were to take my name and you were to go around Manchester, uh, my name would not get you very much. <laughs> you wouldn't get very much in Manchester with my name. I mean, you might... Uh, if you were to show, show up to a few uh, establishments, the coffee shops or whatever, uh, they might say, oh yeah, I know Jacob. He's a nice guy. He's bald. He's got a lot of great little kids. Um, it wouldn't get you much. And moreover, if you were to uh, cut me in half, there's nothing in me that would say, oh, that's Jacob. When you get to know God's name and you get to know who God is, his name, it shows you who God is, his person, his being. So that's what we're looking at in this chapter. And we're going to be seeing that as God reveals His name, that we are invited to live in the power of God's name. Live in light of who God is. When He re reveals His name, He shows us His being, what He's like, what He's about. We are called in this chapter to live in the power of His name. So we're going to be looking at this story. We're going to be looking at it in three sections. Um, we're going to start in chapter 3. We're going to go chapter 4 a little bit. I promise we're not going to read every verse. I trust that you can go read that this afternoon as the snow is coming down. You can open chapter 3 and read through Exodus again on your own. But we're going to be looking at what it means to be called in God's name, what it means to be sent in God's name, what it means, what it means to be strengthened in God's name. So we're going to, I'm going to repeat those as we're going along, but we're going to pick up chapter 3, and I'm going to read for us chapter 3, verses 1-6. through six. We're going to start out in this story by looking at this section called in God's name. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock into the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burning? When the Lord saw that he was turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the Lord, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now this is one of those most kind of peculiar scenes from the Old Testament. I don't know if you've been around the Bible much, or if you know much about the Bible, but if you've been in Sunday school for like, two weeks, you know the burning bush, right? The burning bush is one of those like classic, the burning bush, you got the bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. What's going on? Why is, why is this burning bush? And then of all things, God talks out of this burning bush. So it's not just a bush that's there burning and not being consumed, but it's a talking burning bush, right? It's a, it's a bit of a strange situation. Um, so what's going on with this burning bush? Well, what's, what's been going on in the story of the book of Exodus up to this point is you've got God's people, right? They are um, they're like rabbits, and they have been flourishing and growing in Egypt. They have just got you know thousands of people in the in the land of Egypt, and they are flourishing. But the Egyptians are like these people are not us, and it's not cool. We have to suppress and destroy these people. We need to assimilate them. And so the book of Exodus, chapter one and two, you see uh, Pharaoh you know, basically kind of like doing all genocide on God's people, trying to afflict them, more difficult, they're slaves, so not only is their slave labor hard, but he makes it more hard, trying to kill their kids. So here they are, on the one hand, they're flourishing, but on the other hand, they're afflicted. So you have this picture of God's people flourishing amidst affliction, which actually begins to sound a lot like this burning bush, doesn't it? A bush that is flourishing and yet afflicted by fire. That, there's a, a bit of a picture going on. God is taking a picture on himself of what the people are going through. Right? They are afflicted by the fire of their oppression, their slavery, and yet they're flourishing by God's kindness amidst it. And not only that, but as God is showing up, God is holy you don't come near to God like Moses. You don't come near to God trivially. And yet he's inviting. He wants them near to him. And the deciding factor for God's people in this story is God himself. God is the one that allows their affliction and their flourishing to exist at the same time. God is the one that is allowing them to come near him and yet be holy at the same time. So you see in this picture of the burning bush, there's something going on here of God revealing who He is, right? Amidst the affliction of the things that should crush them and destroy them, God is allowing them to grow and flourish. And it's not just God allowing. God is the one that's amidst them doing the flourishing, right? God is the one that's amidst them helping them grow and trust them even in the midst of their affliction. God is the deciding factor. And so this is the God who shows up. He says, Moses, Moses. It's like it's a bit of a one-two punch, right? 
Moses, Moses, not just to his mind, just to get to his attention, but Moses, I want your heart, I want, your, I want you to pay attention here, and I want you to give your attention to me. So we're being introduced to this God now. And so, Moses naturally says, who are you? But it's interesting, right? So we see here, God calls Moses, and Moses turns aside, gives his attention to God, and yet, we see here, Verse 13. I just want to read this for us. Because this is, this is maybe one of the most important sections of the book of Exodus. Then Moses said to God, right? so God has called his attention. He's out of the burning bush. It's a picture of what's going on. God is the deciding factor. This God speaks to Moses. I want you to go to my people. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God said, also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So, Here's a bit of what's going on here. There's a, bit of, there's a bit of something going on here that we need to be aware of that I think will help us draw into this passage a little bit more. Because what Moses is saying when he says, who shall I say has sent me? He's actually speaking the language of Egypt, right? Egypt had all these gods. They had like 80 gods in their, pan- their pantheon. They had 80 gods at different you know, superpowers and they had different things. But when you ask the name of a god, you would say, who's the god? What's his name? And where does he live? So when you said, you know, if you were at, at, at a, uh, at a uh, cocktail party for the gods of Egypt, right? Just imagine you're at a cocktail party for the gods of Egypt. Everybody's got their name tag. Oh, Osiris, who are you? Oh, I'm the god of the dead. Oh, where's your temple? Oh, I have a temple. Here, I have in my notes. Temple of Seti. My name is Osiris. I'm the god of the dead. I have a temple in Seti. So when you ask the name of a god, you're asking for its address and its superpowers. And so when Moses responds to God, he says, well, what's your name? What Moses is subtly doing is he's saying, okay, well, if I'm going to go back to the people of Egypt, um, right, you must be among the gods of Egypt somewhere, so where are you at in the pecking order? You're at the top? You're at the bottom? You're in the middle somewhere? God, where are you in the midst of all of these expectations of, of what we have about who a God is and how God works? He's, he's taking the expectations of the day and saying, God, how do you fit in this? And when God responds, he says, I'm not in that at all. I'm not in that system. I reject that entire system. I'm not in the pecking order of gods. I'm not kind of like God with a crown and extra rings with superpowers. I'm not a super God of any kind. I'm not like under anybody. I am. I am who I am. And I exist on my own authority. I am whatever I say. And because I am God and I uphold the world by the power of my word, I exist because I am. He rejects the entire system. But what's fascinating is that uh, we do the same thing with God. We come to God with our expectations. We say, God, where do you fit? We're not much different than Moses. Moses comes to God and he says, God, where, where do you fit in all of this? And we come to God and we say, God, where do you fit in my expectations of the world? Where do you, where do you fit? I know you're not doing that like, like 
You're not saying, like, God, you know what? Here's my list of 20 things I'd like to accomplish in my life. And um, where do you fit in that? Because I, I'm really trying to, like, you know, I've got like 80 years, and I, I really want to make this work. I want to make sure you fit in there. That's not, what, that's not what I mean. But we subtly have expectations of God, don't we? Whenever you have this thought, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. Why, why, is, why is my job more difficult? I, I, I shouldn't have to struggle with this. I've, I've been a Christian for what, 10 years. Why don't I have the spouse that I'm looking for? Why are my children... God, why? You, you owe me, God. God, you, you owe me to have given me this by now. God, I, I, should have, I shouldn't be dealing with this anymore. God, this, 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 this difficulty should not be as hard as it, should, as it is right now. It shouldn't be like this, right? We sometimes we'll talk about the prosperity gospel people, right? Health, wealth, God loves me. He's just going to give it all to me. I'm going to be rich. We know that's false and stupid, but we tend to function the same way. We say, God, you, you owe me. God, I've come to church 52 weeks this last year. I'll have you know. I tithe every one of them. God, where's, uh, where's the payback? It's not the way God works. When God comes to us, He comes to reveal His name and invite us to have Himself and Him alone. He doesn't play by our expectations. Which actually, I know that might sound a bit kind of like, oh, it's a bit of a letdown. But Moses and we are going to discover in this story that when God comes down, and God comes down to reveal Himself to us and to destroy our expectations of Him, we actually get God in the end and we get everything else thrown in. Right? God will not play by our expectations, but He will give us Himself. So do you mind if we keep going in the story? Is that cool? Alright. We're going to pick up after this we're going to see how not only does God reveal Himself, but God's been sending Moses. He's, he's not just showing him who He is, but He's inviting Moses to be a part of what God's doing. So He's going to send, God, send Moses in His name. So we're going to look sent in God's name. So again, this is a long passage of Scripture, and so we're not going to look at every one of these, but what happens in the story, so God shows up, burning bush, I'm, sending, I'm revealing myself, I'm saving my people, and I'm going to reveal who I am. God does that. And then he's going to invite Moses to send him on, on his mission. He does that actually in three stages because Moses is a bit daft, and so he has to kind of keep going around, around the same question. But what happens is you have Moses, what happens is uh, three commissions, right? There's these three sendings. And what God does is he says, here's what I want to do. I've made a promise to take my people out of the land of Egypt and give them a promised land. And I want you to go back to Pharaoh. And I want you to say to Pharaoh, God said... I want my people to come back to me, to go to the land I promised them, and um, have a good time, Moses. Moses is kind of like, yeah, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> you know, Moses is a little bit slow on the uptake, but he's also, he's a bit like us, right? So he's going with God, so God's not just kind of like sending him out, like have a good time storming the castle, and I'll have you see on the other side. No, Moses, God's going with Moses, but the commissions go something like this. Uh, okay, Moses, here's who I am. Here's what I want to do. And Moses is like, okay, um, who am I going to say has sent me? And who am I? I'm just, I'm just Moses. I'm just a murderer from Egypt. Why would I go back? God says, no, no, no. I want to use you. 
I want to send you to go do this. Um, I'm sending you with myself. I'm going to go with you, and we're going to go do this. Um, yeah, I don't talk good. I don't really know how to talk well. Like, I'm not, I, like, I don't, my, I stumble in my speech, and I, I kind of, the, the, you know, I'm not good at this, God. God's like, no, no, I want to use you. I want to send you back. I want to send you to go save my people. And Moses is like, yeah, I just don't want to. <laughs> like, this is like the worst job interview ever. But could you imagine, like, a job interview like this? Hi, we'd, uh, we're, we're here today to uh, interview you for this position. Um, why do you think we should hire you? Well, I think your competition's better. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well why, why do you think you're qualified for this, for this position? I'm not qualified at all. Um, well, we're thinking that you would be a good fit with us, and we'd like to offer you this role. Yeah, I don't want to do it. Okay, you're hired. Like, that's just like the most ridiculous interview ever, right? <laughs> like, that, that's a bit of like what's going on here, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it's a bit ridiculous. It's, um, but what we see, Moses, what's going on here is that God is saying, you know what, I want, to, I want to totally change my people. I want to take them out of the land. I want to provide for them. I want to protect them, and I want to give them a new identity. And Moses, I know you're not the most like, outstanding, most qualified candidate ever, Right? If you know the story of Moses, he's a murderer who's been on the run. So not exactly your uh, the typical guy you'd want to have leading people from death to life, right? But Moses, you're the one I want to use. I want to provide for my people. I want to protect them, and I want to give them a new identity, and I want to use you to do it. So let's go. Moses, you're the guy. You're the guy I'm sending. You're the guy I'm using, which means for you and me, God loves to use weak and broken people. God loves to use, I, you guys look great this morning. I don't think that you guys are the worst people I've ever seen in my life, but I'm just saying that anybody who's walked through the doors of this building this morning is a weak and broken person. We are all weak and broken people. God loves to use weak and broken people to accomplish his mission to make his name look great. God loves to use weak and broken and undeserving people to tell other people about his protection, provision, and identity. Right? God is, is wanting to protect them from the destruction of Egypt. He's wanting to provide for them in this new land where he's going to be their God. He's going to sit with them. And because he wants to sit with them, he wants to make them, he wants to give them a new identity in himself. And God is inviting Moses, he's inviting you to be a part of this mission to make his name look great. And he uses weak and broken people. And I find this horrendous job interview is that God persists in using Moses. Now Moses, you can't, you can't de-qualify yourself enough. You cannot de-qualify yourself enough for God to use you. God has put you in your address. He has put you wherever your zip code is. We're up in New Hampshire, so we've got 0103. God's put you wherever you are to use you to make his name look great. To tell other people, the people among your, among your street, your apartment complex, to tell them about God. Tell them about God's purpose to seek and save them, to redeem them, to take away the destructive power of sin. God's purpose is to do that. He wants to use you. You can't Whatever your anxieties are about sharing the gospel with your neighbors and friends, whatever your anxieties are about serving in your city, serving in your neighborhood, whatever those anxieties are, right? It's too loud, too noisy. People are a bit, uh, 
not clean. It's a bit difficult to work with. God says, yeah, I know. So are you. You're a bit noisy. I see all the complaining of your heart. I see all the problems. I see all the pain. I see all the suffering. I see all the things that you've done wrong. I've seen all the things that, you would, that would disqualify you. And yet, I want to use you. I want to use weak and broken you. God is using you to make His name look great. I think that gives us hope because we go with God. We don't just go alone. God is using us in His mission. And so, it's just this last step in the story. Because right, God has, has called, called us in His name. Revealed us who, who He is. He's sending us in His name. God goes with us. But God, we need a little bit of some help along the way. We need to be strengthened in God's name. So let's look at the last part of the story. Look at chapter 4, verses 1-17 through 17. again. I'm not going to read all this, but this is the last commission. This is the, th- the second and third commission of God's sending of Moses. And uh, God could have come to Moses, revealed Himself, and said, Moses, here's the purpose, what I want to do, and I want to send you to accomplish this. And um, that's it. And Moses could have just kind of had to eat it and be okay with it. But in God's mercy, God actually gives Moses, um, calls him signs and wonders to go along with him, to strengthen him, to be evidences of God's presence with Moses along the way. So he sends Moses, and so what happens is he gives Moses, Moses has a staff, right? Moses has a staff that's with him. He says, okay, I'm going to turn that staff into a snake. Uh, It ends up being a snake-eating snake down in the story, right? It's not only just a staff that turns into a snake, which is pretty cool. Like It becomes a snake that eats other snakes. I don't know kind of fascinating. It's like extra, extra, you know, it's a bonus feature along the zoo trip. You know, so you got a staff, eats other snakes. You have a hand, sticks into his cloak, gets, pulls out, covered in leprosy, sticks it back in, not covered in leprosy. And then you have, he says, take a bowl of water, throw the bowl of water on the ground, becomes blood. Why, I, so it's, a, it's one of those weird things, like if you're new to the Bible or you're not familiar with it, you're like, I don't know, all these religious people, they got these like weird miracles that are happening. Like, what's going on with this? So here's what I think was going on with these three miracles that God gives Moses to strengthen him along the way. You have a dead, you have a dead staff that God makes alive. You have a living hand, sticks in his cloak, comes out and is dead. And you have life-giving water, throws in the ground, becomes life-taking. Right? So you have dead to living, living to dead, life-giving to life-taking. So what that means is that God's the one who controls everything and He can do anything He wants and His purposes are to give life, not to take life, but you don't mess with God. That's what's coming out in these miracles. They're along the way. They're in to show that God's presence with them. And just by the way, that's what I think the purposes of spiritual gifts are today. God shows His presence among us. Say, I'm still here. I know what's going on. I'm with you to encourage you in Christ, to reveal myself, and to point to my redemption. Right? They're not to be some sort of like fancy thing that you kind of like get all excited about and like get all focused on, right? The purposes of these miracles is to point to the Redeemer. God who has revealed himself, to show himself to us, to come near to us, to save us, to give life to our dead souls. He can do anything by the power of his word. He shows up, gives us a few signs along the way to encourage us in the mission. God has come down. Just look at me, look with me, chapter 4. Verse 15. 
Sorry. Lost my place. God has come down to reveal Himself. His purpose in coming down is to reveal His Word, right? Chapter 4, verse 14. I'm with it now. All right, guys, sorry, it's the cold speaking. You shall speak to Him and put, the mouth, and put my mouth in His mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with His mouth and will teach you both what to do. So God's purpose in this is, is speaking about Moses telling Aaron what to say. His purpose is to reveal His redeeming Word. What we're doing right now is we're looking at God's Word together. This is the source by His Spirit of our life and hope. This is where we find God. We speak. You want to talk to God today? Open up your Bible this afternoon and read. This is God speaking to us. This is what Moses' purpose is, right? The purpose, God's name, He's coming down to reveal Himself, to show Him to them by His Word, to tell them who He is. Right, you see, this whole story is God, God slowly coming down. Slowly coming down because He hears the affliction of His people. He hears your affliction. Coming down slowly again and again to talk to them. To meet with them. To meet with you. And here He is, Moses, this horrendous job interview to send Him on mission. To use weak people. Coming down yet again and again. This is actually the, the, the pattern of the story of the Bible. God comes down again and again and again. Hum, condescension. That's what I mean. To come down. To stoop down. Like when you come down and talk with a little child, you stoop down. God comes down again and again to show Himself, to reveal Himself to people who do not want Him. And we see this again and again. We ultimately see it in Christ. We Philippians 2, New Testament. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though He was in the form of God. So we have God again, high and lifted up, who does not have to come down. Who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant. He comes down. He is the Master. He owns everything. But He comes down as a servant to serve us. Just like... In this story, God comes down to Israel to show Himself, to get down on, his, on, on hands and knees to speak to them to encourage their faint and weary, to encourage your faint and weary heart where you would feel you are too weak for God to talk to, too ashamed of what you've done for God to talk to, too guilty for God to talk to. God takes a servant's form comes down, empties himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, right? not just that he was in a human form, he was a man and God at the same time. He humbled himself even further by becoming obedient to the point of death. He goes further down. He will go further down still into the depths and darkness of our sin. He will take on the position of our sin before God. He goes down to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has, what has God done? Highly exalted Him. And bestowed on Him the name, right here we're talking about the name of God being revealed. Christ and His affliction, thriving in God. Do you see this pattern again and again in the Bible? 
giving him a name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in, every, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The purpose of God coming down and down and down to reveal his name to us in the midst of our weakness, brokenness, and sin, all the ways we would reject God, he has come down and spoken to us face to face in the death of Christ so that we, like Moses and like Israel, could find life in the name of God. Be born again to live in the goodness of who God is. To know His redeeming purposes. His purposes to seek and save us, to heal, to restore, to renew. All the ways in which we would be broken and controlled by our sin, God has in Jesus come down to make His name known to us. And He does that because He will have a reputation for being a redeeming God who saves broken and weary people like us. Right? The purpose of this story right, is that God will have a name. He will make a name for Himself by saving these people. God makes a name for Himself in your neighborhood, in Haverhill, wherever you live. He makes a name for Himself by saving broken and weary and sinful people like you and me. That's how He makes His name great, by coming and redeeming and showing that He is a merciful God who loves to help people who are broken and needy and would otherwise hate God. He comes near to us. And He makes His name look great because in Jesus He has come near to us to take away the greatest enemy that we have, which is our sin. And then He, he uses broken and weary and bumbling you and me. And He sends us on a mission to make His name great. To tell other people. This is what it means to live in the power of God's name. This God, and He's incredible. He comes near to us. And he comes and reveals Himself so that He can make His name great over all of Haverhill, over all of Massachusetts, over all of New Hampshire, all of New England, to the ends of the earth. He wants to make His name and to spread His fame by using you and me. When we live with this God, and the power of His name to overcome death with life. God comes near to reveal Himself so that we can live in the power of His name. Father, thank You for this Word. Thank You for this story that seems so strange that as we get to know You and see who You are, Father, I pray that we would live in the power of Your name. We would know Your nearness to us, that You use people like us to make your name look great. It's for Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.